I'm Courtney. I'm Joe. And, and this, this is Courtney, Courtney and Joe, Joe Spoil, Spoil Everything. everything. Courtney, it's 11 o'clock on Valentine's Day. Just kidding. It's the middle of June. But we are back and we are doing Crazy Ex-Girlfriend episode dos. And we have a special guest today. We do. We do. We do. Before I introduce our guest, what were your initial thoughts on this, Joseph? It was rough. Um, I'm not going to lie. I probably didn't watch the last 10 minutes because I zoned out so hard. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, usually I have like two, three, four pages of notes. I have a half a page of notes for this. So I'm sorry. Great. Um, this is going to be like Scream where I had to lead us through. No, I got it. I got it. No, um, I generally liked the overall, like what ended up happening to her. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate probably her, her journey that they kind of went through for us, which was cool. Yeah. But I just thought as a season finale, no finesse, no, no, like, <gasps> or like, you yeah. know, I'm sure it was like touching and sad and like, all, like anyone that watched it, like cried their eyes out. That was with the, the whole journey. And I could totally sense that. But for me as a casual watcher, aka someone who just watched the first episode, didn't do it for me. What about you, Corey? You don't have to mince words because I, I fucking didn't like it either. <laughs> so, but I'm going to tell you why. I like the setup of it. I like her, like you say, her journey. I like that she chose herself. I like that she understands herself a little bit more. I was missing a lot of songs. Like I wanted more music. I wanted more quirkiness that we saw in the first one. You know, when we watched the first one, we were like, whoo, there was like so many surprises because we didn't know what to anticipate. Here it was like, I I, I don't there was know. There no sexy getting ready song. There was yeah, there no... Was- <laughs> There was nothing to keep me fully engaged. It was just like self-exploration, which is fine. But in a musical show, I wanted some, I wanted some like oomph with it. You know, maybe I wish that almost in the end, they had her perform a song for everybody or something. Like it ended right before she was about to perform. So maybe that would have given a little something. But we really only had like one short kind of that 11 o'clock song and then when Paula chimed in for like half a second. So I think I was just missing some of that to kind of bring it full circle. Mm -hmm. Totally. I got that. So let's introduce our guest. Her name is Marley Wittick. We went to Syracuse together and then we lived in LA and had a lot of misadventures for an entire year that scarred her for life. Um, Marley is an Emmy winner for The Talk on CBS. She's worked on Hollywood Game Night. She's done some MLB Baseball, The Jim Jeffries Show. She's all over the place because she's a talent producer. Gets talent to be on all these amazing shows. Go on and say hello, Marley. Hello, everybody. Uh, Courtney, I was actually waiting for you to call me Marlo, and I had an over-under of how long it was going to take you to do that. That was Courtney's nickname for me in grad school. She was the only one that's ever called me that and continues this day. (laughs) Marley, I have a question for you. Do you have an actual Emmy at the crib? I, uh, my Emmy is actually not in my house in Los Angeles because I can't find a way I feel comfortable to get it here because when I won it, I was in Pennsylvania with my family. So that's where it was shipped and that's where it lives. And I, I try to think of like so many ways to bring it here and every way. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's dangerous. Nope. That's risky. No, I can't fly with it. No, I can't check it. So like, I don't want to leave it in the car when I drive. So I'm like, there's really no way of getting it here. That's so bald. I love it. I would take the Emmy with me to restaurants and just be like, put it on the table and be like, look what I got. Excuse me, table for two? (laughs) The best I can come up with is putting it in a carry-on by itself. And that's just my carry-on. A clear carry-on, like a nice box. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that'd be that. I have solved it. Put it in the dog carry on and like say it's your emotional support Emmy and no one will question. <laughs> <laughs> like have a tag on there. Then everybody's going to try to steal it. I've just had no good way of getting it here. So it's actually just chilling in my parents' closet, childhood home. And I take it out at once a year and look at it when I go home to visit. And that's, that's about it. Oh my it. God. And she's so like humble about it. Like when I ask for her bio and I'm like, bitch, get on the roof and tell everybody you want an Emmy. <laughs> Everybody tells me I should like make a necklace out of it. And I don't like you. Hopefully one day you'll both know when you have like a, a similar award and it's just kind of like, how does that come up in conversation? Like there's no way of around it except for you to say like, oh, by the way, I won an Emmy. And then you're like, well, that sounds awful and weird. And I don't like, there's no way to like bring it in into conversation. So I just, I'm kind of like, if it comes up, it comes up, but I don't make it a point to say like. Instead oh. of all these stupid 2020 graduate, like the graduate lives here. It would be like an Emmy liver, an Emmy <laughs> yeah. winner lives here. You all are peasants. That's what if I have to call be. everybody right. doctor, I would be like Emmy winning Courtney <laughs> Brown. Like <laughs> EW, oh. Courtney Brown, EW. Yeah, exactly. Right. Trust me, it is like top line on my resume, which is what matters the most. So it is like bold. Yeah. Underline, I got one more glittered. question for you, Marley. Yes. Uh, happy to answer. Do you have a crazy X story? Um, oh, that's a really awesome question. I'm sure I have many. The one that comes to the top of mind is uh, the ex I had before um, I met and married my husband now. Um, I dated him in LA for like three, four years. And he had, I mean, he just like was obsessed with nunchucks, essentially. And <laughs> I bought him like, like foam nunchucks for, I don't know, some kind of gift at some point. And those things broke everything in the house. Like, and that is like, and at that point I should have been like, I should, I should leave. I should, this is over. Like, I don't want nunchucks flying at my television. And I don't know. I didn't read into it soon enough, but that was like, I, I think maybe the craziest ex behavior I've ever dealt with. Just like nunchucks flying around my house. And at least they use the weapon and not their bare fists like mine. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, I'm sure man. there's other crazy stories, but uh, that's the one that comes to mind at the moment where I should have been like, huh, this is probably not what I want to be doing with my life. Not for me. Yeah, what but... drew you? Actually, I got another question for you. What drew okay. you to this show? Um, well, I am. You guys talked about it in the first episode. I think the thing that draws anybody to any kind of musical theater show is a love of musical theater, a love of theater. I was a theater a theater person in high school. I know all the musicals. I am a theater person through and through. And it's just one of the things where you realize that there's a, like a, a theater or a musical theater show happening on television. Any person who likes theater is going to watch it or at least give it a try because it's, you know, it's rare that you get the opportunity to go to the theater. I think these days, as you mentioned in the first episode, it's expensive. It's this, it's that it's, you know, in LA, it's like two or three shows here at a time. You know, and it's like, if you can get to them, you know, so it's like when there's a musical theater television on or a show on television, I think there's a big draw to give it a chance. So I was roped in initially by that and then uh, stayed for many reasons other than just, uh, you know, just that. But um, I also, the one thing that's always impressed me about this show and continues to impress me about this show is that, I mean, there are a lot of shows that have explored musical numbers throughout the history, you know, like starting with like cop rock. And then you have like Glee, you had, you have a lot of shows that really explored adding a musical component, 
but this show produced two to four original songs and numbers every single episode. I mean, that is an insane undertaking. I think the total count of musical numbers in the show at the end was 157 original musical numbers that were not only original music, original lyrics, and they might've been like derivative of a time period or a style or this or that. Like it, it definitely, they pulled things um, from, from places to get that inspiration, but like choreography, costumes, sets, every single time it was uh, a completely produced number. And that is just an extreme undertaking. And I think all of them, there were, there were none I, I disliked. They were all original. They were all funny. They all had, you know, if you really listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics, they are all so creative. Yeah. And I just, it, no matter how off the rails the show might have gone in terms of story, in terms of character or whatever, um, you know, you have to give them props. That is a massive undertaking. And they pulled it off every number. And there was not one weak link, I think, in that repertoire. I agree. They, I stuck around and after the series finale, I watched part of the concert they did in LA um, after Mm -hmm. that. And um, I actually really enjoyed that. Like, I wish, I wish this was a stage show. I think I would like it more as a stage show because it's, it's so good for that because it's quirky. It's kind of like, um, I've never seen Avenue Q, but you know how it's like weird and like everything's like super sexual. Like that's kind Mm -hmm. of how that is. And that's, that's the component that I really liked about it. And um, they obviously had a huge cult following because as you're watching like the concert, there's people dressed up in all her, what I assume to be her outfits throughout the series and like weird stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it definitely followed a a big cult. And I think that's part of what kept it on the air. It's, it didn't need to have of viewers like you said the network had money it was worth investing like they had a lot of fans uh, you know writing in and their fans were loyal and you know it had enough to continue as long as it did uh but i yeah i i just can't give them enough credit for how massive that is and it wasn't only like every number went to rachel bloom it was like all of the supporting characters had their own numbers as well even supporting characters got their own musical numbers that they were the like lead in 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 the in the last season um you know there was one where one of the supporting characters you don't see that much he has his whole own number about he doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore you know what I mean and they gave him so they really not only explored like how you know how you know Rachel Bloom could be utilized in, in all like the bigger players, but every individual character also had their chance at their own number. And it just really kept it interesting uh, every time. I mean, I think there was all Michael McMillian, um, who is also one of the supporting characters had a whole number about how he, like his wife's lying to him about masturbating essentially. Like he, they did <laughs> a typical number about like, he can hear her vibrator, but she lies to him about it. And he was like, it's the funniest number. It's the funniest number. And he's barely, I mean, he's in the show certainly, but he's like, third fourth supporting cast and they just wrote that in you know and and made it so fun and funny so um anyway there's a lot of examples of that throughout the show Uh, yeah I think I think it had a lot of merit for that and I think you're right that's what kept people tuned in um Mm -hmm. as we as we're gonna go through this I have a lot of um issues with storytelling and uh character changes and things of that nature um to talk about but yeah the music for sure I think is is the big thing what do you think Joe yeah, let's dive into the episode. So the episode is titled I'm in love. 
uh, for a reference of the song that Rebecca first sings in her solo at theater camp. Yep. Uh, it's essentially the show is her trying to pick out which one of these three men um, that she's going to fall for and, and have a relationship with. Uh, she starts by getting visited because she falls asleep on the toilet um, <laughs> <laughs> by her therapist, uh, who's like the ghost of Christmas past and or Christmas future or whatever yeah. it is and whatever. I think she calls of- her the dream ghost. Yeah. Actually, it, it, in early in the series shows up um, and and is like a dream and then she becomes a real person. Like, so she like dreamed of her and then met her essentially earlier. Oh. Yeah, so, she, and becomes her therapist. But it, yeah, so she, it's a recurring thing actually, this like dream ghost scenario. So the dream ghost shows her three people. One, you know, her, her love for Josh, who's a reason why she's even in, you know, yeah. we're at West Covina. And then... Uh, another gentleman who I assume is um, works at the law firm with her. Nathaniel, right? Yeah. Nathaniel is at some point Nathaniel's father buys the law firm, and Nathaniel is like seated there as like the crown prince, and that's how he kind of enters the picture. Okay. And where does Greg come in? Who is Skylar uh, Aston, who's from Pitch Perfect, who also now stars in another show about. A girl with singing in her head. So Zoe's extraordinary. He I love Skylar Aston. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know Joe? Though I watched this show for what was it on an hour, and I watched half the concert, and then I finally put together that he replaced the bartender. That is seriously. Crazy. I was. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say, where is the bartender? You didn't notice yeah. either. Then, yeah, I just assumed this guy's named Greg too. I don't. Know. I didn't put it together. I mean, it was one of the things that I was like kind of thinking about as I was watching it and you guys watching it in this format, because I was like, how would you even really know? Um, And I guess you wouldn't, um, you know, Skylar Aston came aboard. He went to college with Rachel Bloom actually. um, And that's how they knew each other. And when they couldn't get Santino back, um, they said scheduling conflicts, but I I actually heard, I think nepotism, some kind of, um, no, there was some kind of bad blood there. Oh. As maybe he didn't come back. Um, but so they did. And like Greg comes back in what is like the third or fourth episode of the fourth season. And uh, they kind of they kind of try to play it off in a weird way. Like they're having a conversation with the girl group, which is something that you guys will have. You know what I mean? It's like so Heather, Valentina, Paula and Rebecca become like a girl group and they're like BFFs and they do a lot of things. Yeah. Together an important part of the show but she's talking to them and she's like well maybe if i ever saw greg again he wouldn't even look the same he wouldn't even be the same person in an alter in an alternate universe and that's how they kind of try to like explain it off like like now we're living in an alternate universe where it's skylar aston and not you know the original yeah i like it's a very odd switch uh i'll give you that i will say that was probably the hardest thing to put together because I was just like, Oh, like I started thinking, I was like, maybe she met Skylar Aston at like, um, you know, some kind of meeting or something. Cause she made some kind of remark where it almost seemed like maybe he had some mental illness issues as well, or, you know, mental health. He things, had but- alcoholism. They deal with uh-huh. that early on in season one. Um, he is an alcoholic and that's kind of why he ends up leaving town largely um, because he's trying to like, work the steps and get better. And he feels like West Covina is uh, detrimental to his recovery essentially. And that's how they write him out. Um, 
But really, uh, that, you know, it was supposed to be that he stayed the whole time. That was the original plan was that he was the going to be the actual romantic lead. Um, and then when there were schedule conflicts and this and that, you know, they had to kind of change course a little bit, but, um, and I think that's why they brought him back because the character was kind of detrimental in their road, you know, the roadmap. Yeah. Um, Courtney, you smell that? Smells fishy. It smells like they just wanted a star in there and they didn't Mm -hmm. want a normal guy. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Because the the show didn't have great ratings throughout. Maybe they thought maybe with Pitch Perfect and stuff, they boosted up. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know if Skylar Aston is a big enough name to say, like, he's going to boost your ratings. I don't know if he's there yet. But, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I could see maybe that was part of the the reason. He and Nathaniel are the only faces I recognize. Yeah, Scott Michael Foster. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, they've added a few in here that are a little more recognizable. But yeah, if you definitely watching in the way that Joe and I watched these shows, like, yeah, fucking did not know it was him. I don't even know yeah. how I actually figured out it was him. It was, I'm telling you, it was like two hours after I watched it. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait and a obviously second. Joe just found out. <laughs> I found out just yep. a couple minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> he was... Joe was today years old when he found out that <laughs> I was this years old. Uh, this they have. She's with this dream ghost, and she doesn't seem happy in any of these scenarios where she's with any of these men. Yeah. Even yeah. after her longtime love, Josh Chan, like everyone loves her. Flip yeah. the script. Everyone wants her now. And I don't. Uh, can you maybe piece together why all these men want her so much? Yeah, it's a tough sell in my mind as well. I'm not going to lie. I can't sugarcoat that. Um, you know, I here's okay. Here's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> now get ready for my TED Talk. Um, the whole premise of the show is that, like, the Rebecca Bunch character is, like, love is her drug of choice. You know what I mean? Like, this is the way she decides that she is going, everything will be right in her life once that's in place. So she really does like chase all of these guys. I mean, you missed a lot of things that she did in, especially season one, where it was some next level stalking scenarios where it was like everything she is doing is awful, wrong. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, she can justify it all because it's like, it's all for love. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's one of these things. Like, I think she is, there's some kind of charm to her in her like abandonment of like norms. She is, as you, as you said in the first episode, you know, she is very vivacious. She is successful. She is funny. Um, You know what I mean? She is all of these things, but she's also a deeply wounded person. She is a mentally ill person um, at, that she's working on. But like, you know, it's like the the Rachel Bloom character, uh, Aaron, Rebecca Bunch is really like an anti-hero. And I don't think anybody wants to look at it that show, but she is not a good person sometimes, most of the time, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's how I think we find some redemption with her is like all of this she does is for love because for some reason our society is so like love obsessed. Everything has to end like that. Everything like it's not ended. Yeah there's a love story until someone ends up together, like our culture, movies, television, it all points that way. And I mean, I'm sure we'll come back and talk about more about the final episode. So I won't get too much into that. Now you can save it for later. But you know, I think that is what they were really driving at uh, in a big way is that you know what I mean? Like, 
it's her, you know, she has to be the one to, you know, recognize this about herself and that it's not, that's not all that her life amounts to. And she yeah. can't, and she fails. She fails at that. You know, the love story is self-love really. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and a lot about realizing what her, her mental illness is, which, you know, I also give them a lot of credit for, for honing in on that uh, very astutely. And, you know, it's not like she has, you know, every show kind of wants to like, you know, oh, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's all these like very generalized things. She has a very specific disorder, you know what I mean, that they wrote in for a reason. And, um, you know, borderline personality disorder, and she finally gets a correct diagnosis. And part of it is realizing that her, her chase for love this whole time is just a mirage of her disease. Right. Exactly. She's like, I've done the workbooks. I went to therapy, like, but she finally, it's like the last leg of realizing like, this isn't kind of what I want. I I did this for the wrong reasons. So yeah, yeah, I think. I I thought it might've been because she got boobs all of a sudden. Big ass boobs. I was like, where were those? Take old bitties out of left field. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. She definitely looks different. Maybe it was like, I thought maybe she had like an eating disorder or something because she she filled out a little and maybe she was feeling healthier and stronger about herself. I didn't know if that had anything to do with her diagnosis or anything because she looks better. She's not like trying to shove herself in some yeah, tiny little cocktail dress like she yeah. was when we first met her. She seems yes. much more comfortable in her own skin and her own clothes. Yeah, I agree with that. I did, I forgot how tiny she was in that first episode. I went back and rewatched the pilot again and, and she was very like... It didn't look, it almost looked like now knowing her, what she looks like now, like it was almost like she, you could tell she was like really tried to be that skinny for that first show. You know what I mean? She really yeah. liked it. And I actually, I, there's some discrepancy about it, but I believe she did say in an interview, she was like filming the end of this season. Either it was then or very close after that, that she got pregnant. Um, it was right. I don't know if it was while they were filming, but it was very close to that point where she ended up being pregnant with her first kid. So um, I'm not sure what the overlap time is, but uh, that also could have played a role in the the big booby committee. Uh, yeah, in the concert yeah. part, she puts on this lingerie, like, and I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! Like, where did that yeah. come from? Well, either way, right. that's what I got from it. I felt she looked more comfortable. Yeah. Um, she wasn't trying so hard. So she's having this big conflict. She's trying to choose between these three guys. She then somehow realizes she sings a song. 11 o'clock as it's getting closer and closer to this event that she's going to be performing at that she loves herself um, after talking with her friend who started off as a paralegal who I take it is an attorney now and you know at a very successful firm I love that they um they they didn't make Paula just be like a stagnant like friend for Rebecca they gave her her own development too oh no they did I mean Paula this Another thing, um, kind of a Paula that you miss is uh, this show tackled a lot of really big uh, topics over the course of the time. Um, but one of the very early ones was there was an abortion storyline that involved Paula and they handled it very maturely um, for a show because, you know, shows want to like throw in an abortion storyline as like a curveball and they make it like such an event. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. like it's not a normal everyday thing that happens. It is like, that is the episode, you know, like we're going to get all kinds of press for this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, they want to like, splash it everywhere. Because Very special episode. Edgy, you know, so edgy, but they actually just 
kind of folded it in to the course of her life. And early in the series, she finds out that she's pregnant and she has kind of a big decision to make. Like she has two teenage sons at the time, you know, she's like, do I want to have another baby or do I want to become a lawyer? I cannot do both. Um, so she ends up getting an abortion and they don't make it a big deal. They just like one minute she's discussing it. The next minute, you know, you see her in bed, she's home. Her husband's asking her if she is, her son knows what happened. And he's like, well, mom got an abortion. So I got to go answer the door or do the dishes. Or he makes some kind of off comment about like, yeah, has gone on. And that's exactly how they treated it. You know what I mean? It didn't, it was, you know, and I think it's also often not seen as it's seen as like a teenage problem, abortion, you know what I mean? Yeah. lot of mothers who have already had kids who this happens to that, you know, that is a very, um, it's very prevalent and TV shows tend to just glaze over that as well. And I think it was very brave of them to just include this and make it a casual point of something that happened and not like, you remember, do you remember when we watched that episode of Maud? I don't know if you can't, we did like a special thing in school where we went to Thompson's and we watched an episode of Maud and it's where she is becomes pregnant and is going to have an abortion and it was such a big deal not only because it was you know the 70s but because she was a middle-aged woman and it was like this yeah. isn't just a problem that as you say teenagers or you know yeah you know, yeah you Young go through. yeah no it's true and they really I think they worked it in in a in a beautiful way there's um you know there's that one I mean and top talk, talking about big things in the show I mean there's also they talk about Re- Rebecca Bunch trying to commit suicide in her past, but there's actually an episode where she does try again in the course of the show. Um, and, uh, and that was also, I think pretty bravely tackled and dealt with and managed in a, in a pretty realistic way. And you know what I mean? I, I give the show courage for going for those topics, but not um, glamorizing them, I guess is what I'll say. You know what yeah, I mean? Cause I, I, like, did you watch 13 Reasons Why, at least the first yes. one or two seasons? I wa- yeah, I watched the yeah. first season, at least, yeah. So you watch something like that, and that's, like, literally mm-hmm. gut-wrenching. And then yeah. they try to, I don't want to say normalize, but in Crazy Acts, they're trying to make you relate to the people. They definitely are. They, I mean, they. that's the thing, what I've kind of liked and enjoyed about this show all along is that I mean, we're not only looking at their handling of big topics, we're looking at an extremely diverse cast, like you guys said, ages, races, um, you know, there is an open, there are many openly gay characters, there's an openly bi character, there's, you know, they really tried to put a lot of different storylines in and work them in in a way where, you know, to what I think we all like about Shit's Creek is the same thing. It's yeah. like, it's not glamorizing this topic it's working it in in a realistic kind of way and I think um crazy ex-girlfriend has its moments where it does a lot of these topics right it has some moments where some of them not so much you know what I mean it kind of it loses its own playbook at times I think the show um you know it kind of stops following its own rules and that's where we like kind of veer course here and there but I, I do give them a lot of credit for for handling some things like this and really making it feel like it's rooted in some realism and not like this is our glamour episode where we're going to be so edgy and show, you know, X, Y, and Z. and We're going to make a big splash about it. You know, it's like, it's, I, well, I find it's that more to be- like, it's just, it's just seamlessly in there. Yeah. It's just integrated in as a, a, a thing that happens to people. You know what I mean? This is a thing that happens in our society. This is a thing that happens to these characters and this is how they move through it in the world, you know? Yeah. And I think they, they do have a lot of that and they do it a, a pretty good job of that uh, throughout. Agreed. All right. 
right. So I definitely enjoyed the 11 o'clock song because it kind of brought us through some things that we missed. And I, I take it each one of those outfits is an outfit that she wore in her journey. And I kind of love that. But uh, one thing you may notice is it cuts really quick twice. That's because while filming, they uh, were running very low on time. So they were trying to get all the shots that they possibly could. So they did two, they like had the weave cuts together. So as she's like turning and stuff, you'll see it go snap, snap, snap. And the the clothes in front of her will somehow slide over like three. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, But that was, that was kind of a cool, it was a cool set. It was very minimalistic. And then you had those, those dresses that really drew your attention. Cause then you would be like for the longtime viewer or even just like us, uh, Courtney and I love when we see things from the pilot. So there was her blue dress from the pilot. Yep. Um, I love callbacks to to other events. And that's what kind of brings that that viewer along on the journey. And that's something that I always look for in a finale. So that was nice to see. Yeah, I noted that as well. And in this part, Joe, is kind of where they reveal what my guess was in a way. Remember how I said, like, maybe these are her manic episodes. I, I don't know that they are, but they're definitely in her head. Like, we're not watching a we're watching a musical, but we're not really watching a musical. We're watching her drift off and have a daydream. Her. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was cool that she brought her friend into it. Obviously, that wouldn't happen, but I it was nice to finally. I don't know if they've ever alluded that during the show, but I like that they finally answered that question for at least you, Courtney, who would probably think of it for like five seasons and be like, "Which one is it?" Yeah, for like, sure. Uh, no, that number was fantastic in in a lot of ways, but actually. Uh, they're doing a mashup of obviously all a bunch of the popular songs from throughout the course of the series. But when she's singing that song, that's when that's the outfit of the song on the turntable though, is a huge like throw out to Les Mis and a lot of musical theater shows. So having it on the turntable, I thought was genius. And it, I mean, that whole song was a love letter to the fans really. Um, and yeah. throwing back to all of these very like nostalgic moments from the show, like you said, all the outfits come back, all the popular songs come back in, in snippets and uh, and bringing Paula into it, I thought was was genius, and and I really enjoyed that whole number. Actually, um, I thought it was. I mean, they had to go out on a big musical number, and you know what I mean. They had to make it something. Like I said, I think it was a love letter to the fans. Really, is is yeah to go out. It, it was it was really um, for people who know the show really well, and you can be like oh my god it's that up i love that number like things you didn't even remember i was you know just kind of to use a, a rupaul's drag race term i was gagging over uh in that yeah. way uh, <laughs> well um because it was just so exciting to see some of that stuff again no? and yeah. i really like that like they've gotten used to her zoning that paula's like oh you're doing your thing like i'm just gonna check my phone while you like yeah right <laughs> That's right. Um, and actually, the pretzel comes back in in a big way, too, which you guys don't really get to see or maybe wouldn't have put together. But she ends up not being a lawyer. She owns the pretzel stand in the yep. building of the law firm. So it's Rebetzel's pretzels. And that's her. <laughs> it's Rebetzel's <laughs> pretzels. Yeah. Her I, pretzel the show and I was like, did she buy a pretzel shop because of the first yeah. time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the pilot with each other. Big pretzel yeah. lifter up in the air. That's yeah. right. So she, she's always loved pretzels, and that's how that came full circle uh, in this episode. Hey, man, we all have our thing, right? So yeah. at the end, all of the three men are in a really good place. They're all in relationships. Well, well not really in relationships, but in like healthy spots in their life. Yeah. Um, and finally, um, 
she, you know, chooses herself and she decides to play a song for everyone, um, which we don't get to hear. But, you know, she goes down to 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 play a song um, and we kind of have a fade to black there as as our finale ends. Did you see who introduced her at the club? Did you recognize the guy of the open mic guy at the club? I did not. I did. I did. You know who that is, right? Yes. So he was supposed to, Michael McDonald from Mad TV. Remember he would play, who was his character, Marley? The little boy. Stuart. Stuart. So he was supposed to be the boss, but when it got switched from Showtime to the CW, he dropped out. So I think they had him in here as like a little callback to that. That is correct. That's very cool. Yeah. Overall, Marley... How did you feel like this show wrapped up for you? Does it feel you, you know, wanting anything more, less? Do you feel like it was just right? Uh, Is there any questions you want answered? For me, I know that by some people it got panned because, like I said, our society, our consumption of entertainment, it feels like we're in a place where it should always lead with like end with love. You know what I mean? Like the love story comes to a full circle. This ended really lovely for me. And I'm going to say it's because I, I feel like I I included am part of society who wants to see all the love stories come to an end. That's how we learn to consume television is that like that's the the payoff is that the love story wraps up in a satisfying way. And that happens time and time again. And when shows don't end that way, people tend to be upset by that. But if you really look at this whole series, the character development, everything that's happened here with her and her journey, that's just not what it was meant to be. That was exactly what she needed to decide was not right for her. And, you know, I think they did allude to the fact that maybe her and Greg will get together down the road once they are both in a good place of recovery and they can make it work. Um, But, you know, just... Finally, her choosing herself over this like very misguided need to be loved all the time, um, I think was a very strong ending. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I know some people did not, but what would that have shown? You know what I mean? It would have shown she's just habitually doing this cycle. She's habitually doing the same thing. She's never picked herself over anyone else. Um, So for me, the finale was not only that number, but the finale itself was a love letter to the fans. We got a nice wrap up for all of the characters that we've grown to love because the ensemble in the show is just as important as the Rebecca Bunch character. Um, The ensemble became a big reason you stayed a part of it and into it. And so I'd love to see the individual wrap ups on everybody and know that they're in a good place. And for once she made the right decision. After four seasons of her making continually wrong decision after wrong decision after bad decision after dangerous decision, she finally made a good decision for herself. And and I did enjoy that. Very cool. And a, and a mature decision. A really mature yeah. decision. I think she's probably, if she's about 26, 28 when this started, she's a couple years under us. I mean, you're getting into the point where it's like, you better figure out who the hell you are or, you know start reevaluating life but throughout the series did you like ship her with any of the guys was there one you were a big fan of I mean I'd say in general no one was a fan of Josh Chan um I don't think there was one person who was hoping that she wouldn't Josh Chan was they needed him to be immature not up to even her standards like it was just this he was an illusion like he was an illusion for her and um, so it was never Josh. And actually, in 
course of the show, they end up getting together, getting engaged. He leaves her at the altar. She freaks out, obviously. So that kind of resolves. And then she gets into it with Nathaniel. And I really like Nathaniel as a character. Scott Michael Foster is adorable, um, but he's not right for her. And they even said that like the episode before the finale, they do this like three dates thing. They decide they're each going to take her on a date. And that's how she's going to decide like who she should choose. And they even, I read something in an article that said like, even their dates were not about her at all. And that was true, Josh. Like none of them chose a date that had anything to do with her. It was all about them and you know what I mean? And so Nathaniel, they had some really great songs together. They had some really great moments, but like Greg was always kind of it in my mind. Like if she was going to end up with anyone, even from the beginning, they had the most in common. They're both in recovery um, for an addiction of sorts, you know, and, and they were both like on each other's level. Um, so I guess if I hoped, if the show were to continue, if she were going to end up with anyone, Greg would still be my hope for her because I think they could eventually have a really great life together. Um, but obviously not until she's been working on herself. So Courtney, this is actually the ending I imagined for Jane the Virgin. If you remember, it is where she was going to end up by herself without having to choose between these two guys. So uh, right. kind of funny that it turned out. To say you, you have a callback to Jane the Virgin in this because the one that was Josh's girlfriend ends up becoming like her good friend who's now gay. Same thing as in Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Interesting. Joe tells the future with all of our shows. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so <laughs> I want to thank Marley for coming on today. Super insightful. Uh, I loved your your insights into the show. You know, you were spot on with our original feelings of, you know, how this definitely tackles some tough issues in the right way. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of just elaborated more on that. So I definitely appreciate it that they did throughout the entire series and didn't do cop-outs like Empire. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so. Our, least, our least listened to episode is Empire episode two because so many people are so pissed that the series finale like wasn't oh. right because they had to cancel two episodes early because of COVID. Oh, that's right. But they also copped out on so many storylines. Yeah. But um, yeah. thanks, Marley, for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. It was so fun. I will literally speak to the merits or whatever of any television show at any time. And Courtney knows that uh, from many years doing this at Syracuse and beyond. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. So really, this was uh, fun for me. And thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you all next week. Y'all stay safe. And I'm not going to tell you what's next week. You'll find out. Later, guys. Bye.